Well, we are wrapping up our current series called Lessons from Quarantine. In this series, we have been learning all kinds of different lessons and uh, conversations that have been happening across our nation, in our community, things we've been learning in our personal lives over the last few months uh, together. I think these really are, are relevant topics that will help us through any trial that we're experiencing, any tough time that you may be going through really stuff that will help us as we now navigate this new normal that's in front of us. But I don't want you to forget all of the experiences that you had during quarantine. So we're going to play one last round of quarantine bingo on our system. Give yourself a point. If you did this at any point over the last 12, 20, 200 weeks, I don't even know where we are anymore uh, with that. Here's the first one. If you cleaned a room, but only for a Zoom call, give yourself a point for that. Maybe two points if you only cleaned what was going to be on your screen. Uh, give yourself one there. Uh, if you started calling family members roommates, give yourself a, a point for that. If you played hide and seek with your roommates without telling them that you were playing, uh, give yourself one there. If you didn't know that the month had changed at any point during quarantine, give yourself one. And here's another one. If you were annoyed that you had to make your own coffee before online church, give yourself one. I'm pretty sure I just heard somebody yell bingo out there. This has been uh, an incredible journey for us as we are learning all of these new things about ourselves during quarantine. It's been challenging for all of us. And, and I think if we're all honest, at some point we've all experienced the, the Groundhog Day effect, right? Where it just feels like it's the same day over and over and over again. And if we're also very honest, we would say and admit, we've had a lot of really tough days through these past few months. There's a story of, uh, of a man from Florida, a Florida man story that I, I just had to share with you guys. He was working on his motorcycle outside on his back patio and uh, he was tuning it up. So he had it on, it was idling and he decided he needed to rev it to see if what he had done had worked. And somehow the bike slipped into gear while he was still holding on to the handlebars and it, it crashed through the, the living room sliding door and, and into the living room. Well, his wife heard the crash. She, uh, she came running in to find him bleeding on the floor, broken glass everywhere, motorcycle parts all over the place. And, and so she called 911. Now, they lived on top of a, a pretty steep hill. It had a, a long set of stairs to get there. And so when the paramedics got there, they navigated up, they put him on the stretcher and took him to the hospital. Now, before going to the hospital, his wife decided that she was just going to try and clean up a little bit of the mess. And so she went to the bathroom, grabbed some toilet paper and, and went out and began to clean up the gasoline that had spilled out of the bike onto the floor. And then she went and she took it and she threw it in the toilet and, and then headed off to the hospital. Well, when she gets there, they're there for a few hours and, and they finally release him and send him back home. The man comes back into his house. He's all bandaged up and he sees the broken glass and the, the motorcycle parts everywhere. And he's very frustrated by it. And he decides that the best way to deal with his frustration is to go smoke a cigarette on the toilet. Some of you are ahead of me right now on this. And so he gets to the end of his cigarette and he kind of flips it into the bowl and, uh, Kaboom. <laughs> and so his wife, his wife comes running back into the, the room to see his pants on one side of the floor and him on the other side of the floor with some burns in places. And, and so she calls 911 again, and the exact same paramedic team is dispatched back to their house. And so they take the stretcher back up the stairs and they get him loaded on the stretcher. And as they're taking him down the hill, they, they're so curious as to what happened. And so they ask, and as his wife begins to tell the story of what went down, they began laughing so hard that they dumped him on the stretcher down the hill and he broke his arm. Now, 
it's good to know that there's some people that have a worse day than, than we have, right? There's always someone worse than us. And I know that this is true for all of us. You are either coming out of trouble, you are currently in trouble, or, or you're heading into trouble. Aren't you glad you logged into church today? And I know some of you are thinking, Donnie, can't you be more positive? I am positive that you're going to be in one of those three places. Why? Well, because our earth is broken, right? And Mike actually alluded to that. He talked all about that in, in week one of the series. You can go back and watch it. But we know that our weather is broken. Our, our economy is broken. Our relationships are broken. Our, our bodies are broken. And many of us have experienced some of our worst moments over the past few months in quarantine. Your life, your dreams, maybe some of your relationships, maybe for what it feels like your future, it's, it's been broken and you're left with shattered pieces everywhere. And so what do we do when we're in the middle of life's worst moments? I, I want to show you a story from probably my favorite character in the Old Testament, and it's really a story that I think is going to give us some steps on how we can rebuild when everything in our life has fallen apart. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. And you can follow along. We've got notes on the app that you can, uh, you can uh, look at throughout this, uh, throughout this message. Let me just give you a little quick background to, to kind of get us all caught up. In 587 BC, Judah, which is the, the northern part of Israel at this time, and it's a long story why, but Israel has been divided into north and south. The people were removed and they were deported from Israel and they were taken to Babylon. Uh, only a few Israelites were left in Jerusalem. The rest were now in captivity in Babylon and they were suffering in this captivity. Well, in 538, Babylon is defeated by Persia. And Cyrus, who is the king of Persia, he actually sees things differently than, than the Babylonians did. And so in his first year, he actually sends some of the Israelites back to Jerusalem to go back and to rebuild the temple. And about seven or eight years after this initial wave of people that went back, Cyrus sends this guy named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah had risen up in, in Cyrus's hierarchy. He'd become actually the king's cupbearer. And this was a, a very important job. It was a job that was, uh, required a lot of trust from the king. It trusted enough at least to, to go first, right? Nehemiah's job was to test the, the king's drink before the king did. One, to make sure that it tastes good, but two, to make sure that it wouldn't kill him. Kind of like some of you do with your teenagers, right? When the, the milk is a few days past expiration, before you put it in your protein shake, you call one of them in to, to drink it and to test it out first. And so after this, uh, during this time, some of Nehemiah's friends, they, they return back and they tell Nehemiah what's happening in Jerusalem. And in this story, I want to show you, I want to show you some of the stages that we can all go through that can help us rebuild when, when things are broken in our lives. Look at Nehemiah chapter one, beginning at verse two. Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, we're going to stop here for a sec because we need to understand the importance of, of a city's walls and, and of its gates, right? The, the walls of a city, they weren't there just for decoration. We know they were there for protection. It was to keep the enemy on the outside and to keep those who were on the inside safe. 
And so the walls have been destroyed, which means the people that are back there in Jerusalem, they're, they're exposed, they're vulnerable to any kind of attack from any enemy. But it also says that the gates were involved in this. The gates were really the, the civic centers. This is where the courts were, where legislature happened, often where the markets were. And so the gates have been burned down, which means there's no leadership, there's no control, there's, there's no economic um, survival happening right now in this city. And so it leads to the first stage, which is, which is shock. See, for Nehemiah, he discovers that his people are in trouble. He discovers that they have been disgraced. And Nehemiah had one of those, I didn't see that coming moments. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had one of those? <laughs> one of those, I didn't see that coming moments? Quarantine, I think, has provided all of us with, with at least a few, if not dozens of those moments. Maybe for you, it was your health. Maybe just wrestling with that, fears of, of contracting some kind of virus, right? And, and the news changing all the time about how to contract it or how to prevent it, right? And maybe you had one of those, I just didn't see this coming in my lifetime moments, or especially if you have an immune system that's compromised. Maybe for you, it was the thought of a loved one getting it. Maybe even you being the one that gave it to them. Some of us have had parents, grandparents that have been locked up in quarantine. You've gone to visit them at their house and, and you've just had to talk to them through a, a glass door. Maybe for some, you have relatives or family or friends that have been locked down in, in their facility and you can't visit them at all. Some of you have experienced people in a hospital and, and in the hospital, either no one can go in and see them or maybe just one person at a time. And, and we never thought we would experience this in our lifetime. Maybe for you, it was your job or, or your business. Your job was furloughed and, and you didn't budget for less salary in, in your life with the expenses you have. Or maybe uh, some of you, you just lost your job outright and you definitely didn't budget to, for a complete loss of your salary. Some of you own your own businesses. Maybe you didn't get the help that the government was offering or you did get it, but you didn't get it in time. Maybe you couldn't open for a period of time. You lost revenue and savings. Debt began to grow in your business. Maybe, maybe some of you are in a place where you still aren't allowed to open. You lost employees. And as a result, you can't get them back because you can't pay them the same rate that they're getting on, on unemployment. Or, and you're just not sure that you're ever going to recover, right? You just didn't see this coming. Maybe it's relationships. Great friends that, that now you don't see eye to eye over some of the major topics that we're facing over the pandemic or openings or racism or politics. And, and those relationships, right, that were so tight, now there's stress and, and they've been fractured. Maybe you posted something on social media. You didn't mean for it to come across the way that it did. And now you're living with the blowback and the, and the backlash of that. Maybe it's been time with your spouse cracks in your marriage that were always there, but they've been exposed, right? And they've been stretched and, and, and quarantined. They've grown significantly or stress with your kids or kids with your parents. And there's nowhere to go, right? You've been locked in the same house together and, and, and continuing just to butt heads and it's been getting worse and worse and worse. I never imagined that I would be here. Finances, right? You just can't get out of debt or, or you did get out of debt. Now you're back in debt. Maybe your future is just looking bleak for retirement or the money that you had set aside for kids. Your savings is disappearing or maybe it's completely gone. See, this isn't exclusive just to a pandemic. This is part of normal life. I didn't see that coming. And as a result, we're put in this place of, of shock. Nehemiah experienced this. But let me show you how he responded as he moved into stage two. Stage two is this, it's, it's sorrow. 
See, as the shock wears off, our natural response then is to embrace that loss. When we're in shock, we're numb to a lot of things. But when we move into the sorrow stage, we begin to feel everything, and we tend to feel it all at the same time. In Nehemiah 1 verse 4, it says this, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Now, I'm going to stop here just for a second. Because I just want to focus on, on how, how, no, how Nehemiah responded to this, right? It says that he wept. When shocking things happen, when, when we experience a loss in our lives, weeping is often the, the, the healthiest response that we can have. In fact, some of you, maybe that's what you needed today was just permission to weep. But Nehemiah shows us how to handle this as he navigates through this stage, how to move through it and move to the, the other side. He gives us a practical plan for dealing with loss in our lives, whether it's big loss from the things we've experienced during quarantine or whether it's just those daily losses. I'm realizing I'm just getting older and older, right? And there's all kinds of losses in my life. I'm losing energy. I'm losing flexibility. I'm losing my waistline that I used to have. I lost my hair a couple of pandemics ago, right? Like these losses that are happening. Here's what we do to deal with that. Nehemiah started by mourning. And mourning is, is really just expressing your hurt to God. See, mourning is healthy, but it often takes time. In fact, there are stories in the Bible of people, it took them 30 days, sometimes 50 days, even 70 days to mourn through things. You can't rush mourning. It takes time. Let me ask you this question. Is there a hurt? Is there a loss in your life that you've just never taken the time to mourn? See, you can't see the opportunity in front of you if you can't see past the, the hurt that's around you, you need to take this time to mourn. Here's the second thing he did is he fasted. And fasting really is just turning your focus, it's turning your attention to God. You don't fast to draw the attention to yourself. You, you fast to, to turn your focus away from you and turn it back to God. Here's the benefit. Every time that you eat, and for me during quarantine felt like every 15 minutes, right? Instead, you take that time and, and you focus on God. It may be 30 minutes during lunch. It may be an hour during dinner. And you worship God and you turn your attention back to him. It keeps our vision clear. See, fasting in, in this context is not just a change in our diet, it's a change in our focus. And then the next thing he did is he prayed. He asked God for help. And we don't have time to study his prayer. I would encourage you to go back and, and read it. This prayer is an incredible model to, to those of us that are looking for, that are needing God's help in our lives. This prayer can help us to recognize who God really is, right? That God's greatness and, and his presence in our lives. It helps us to recognize who we really are, our sinfulness, our brokenness, our limitations and weaknesses, and it helps us recognize God's promises and his faithfulness in our lives. This prayer is a prayer of hope in the power of God to change us and, and the power of God to be involved and work in our circumstances. And so these three steps, mourning, fasting, and, and prayer, it's the best way to deal with any kind of sorrow that we face in our lives. And for some of us that are, are stuck here in this right now, 
I want you just to, over these next few weeks, I want you to walk through these steps. Take your time. It's not going to be fun, but you need to trust God that he is going to take you through this valley and then take you to the next stage, which is this, it's struggle. This third stage is usually where a little three-lettered question enters uh, into our minds. It's the question, why? Why did God allow this to happen? God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you do something to stop this? Or, or even once it happened, God, why didn't you do something to change it? Why now? God, why this person? See, the truth is that on this side of heaven, not often are we going to get the full answer to the why question. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, In the month of, of Nisan, in the, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. And so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. See, it's been four months since Nehemiah had received the, the news about Jerusalem. Four months of, of mourning, fasting, and prayer. Four months of, of frustration, of confusion, right? not sure what to do. How can I fix this? Four months of asking the question, why? See, Nehemiah is human. And I'm sure during these four months, he spent a lot of time ruminating over those whys. It's, and the study of ruminating is it's, it's actually very interesting it's where we get to the place where, where we say, you know what, I, I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to either feel sorry for myself or I'm going to stay here and just obsess over why this happened or I'm just going to stay here and try to figure out everything myself. Psychologists have discovered that the more that you sit, the more that you try to figure things out on your own, it leads to higher rates of suicide, depression, and mental health issues. See, cows are ruminating animals, aren't they? They chew their food, right? And then they swallow it and they bring it back up and they chew it and swallow it. And, and we know that they do this. They repeat it over and over and over again. And, and, and it's gross. It, it just is. It's, it's gross. The longer you chew something, the, the grosser it gets. But many of us do the exact same thing. See, we do this with our bad news. We sit and we chew it over and over and over again. We have those imaginary conversations Right? The next time I see him, the next time, the next time I talk to her, right? this is what I'm going to say to them. And, and we've blown out six weeks of conversations that are going to happen in our minds. Or, or we go and we post stuff to social media, sometimes passive aggressively, sometimes just straight up aggressively. Right? We deal with it that way. Sometimes, some of us, we, we keep records of wrongs. And the next time they hurt you, right, there's going to be the airing of the grievances, right? They're going to they're get all of the things that they have done to hurt you in the past and all the mistakes that they made because you've been, you've been holding on to those. See, the king can tell that Nehemiah has been chewing on something. No matter how well we think we hide things, no matter how much practice we have internalizing, right, and putting up a good front, the struggle is always going to show. And, and it always is going to have an impact on the quality of our lives. See, too often we stall out here. Sometime here is important. It really is because it reminds us that we can't fix everything on our own, right? If, if we could, we would have already done it. So there's a lot of things in our lives that are outside of our control. And so learning that, reminding of, being reminded of that is, is a healthy thing. But when we choose to live here too long, what happens is we get frustrated. It turns into bitterness. It turns into to hopelessness in our lives. And it takes a toll on us. 
So what do we do when we're stuck in this stage? We move to the next one, which is surrender. And so this is, this is where our worst days can begin to turn into something positive, right? Our difficulties can, can now turn into opportunities for us. You stop fighting the bad days and, and you surrender to, to a change in perspective. See, we surrender, we move from ruminating on something to relying on someone. Look at Nehemiah 2, verse 2. It says, I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the, the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? Notice this. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. See, Nehemiah, he's important, but he's not that important. Right? He, he doesn't get to make his own plans. Nehemiah doesn't get to tell the king what he should do. In fact, responding honestly to a king with, even though the king had asked the question, right? Even though the king kind of made a request of him, it could have cost Nehemiah his life. When a king didn't like something that you asked, when a king didn't like your behavior, right? The, when the king was in that place, he didn't like disgruntled subjects. And so a denial would also be accompanied by the removal of your head. There was no open door policy for the king he wanted to make sure he sent a clear message to others. And just because the king asked this question doesn't mean that Nehemiah should respond. But look at what Nehemiah did. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and then I answered the king. See, I wish we knew exactly what Nehemiah prayed in that moment. My guess is that it was something like, God, I, I trust you, so give me the courage. Or God, you're in control, and so would you give me the words to say? Or God, I know that you are all powerful. Help me to keep my head through this conversation. Whatever it was, I guarantee that it was a prayer of surrender. See, our perspective matters. One of the keys to rebuilding anything in our lives is the way that you look at your problems. The reason this matters is because your reaction is determined by how you look at it. If you look at a problem and you say, you know, that, that problem is a disaster, right? Then, then your outlook is going to be despair. If you look at a problem and say, that was unnecessary, that shouldn't have happened in my life, then the outlook is going to be irritation. If you think it's, it's unfair, right? I didn't deserve that. Then your outlook is going to be anger. If you think that, you know what, that was actually deserved. I, I deserve that. I, I earned that. Then your, your outlook is going to be guilt. But when you see things as an opportunity, then your outlook is faith. Let me ask this question. How do you react to your struggles? I mean, do you see them as an opportunity or, or are you simply overwhelmed by them? What if there was a better way to respond? See, Nehemiah surrendered. And surrender really can be defined by a five-letter word. It's the word trust. And who can you really trust right now? The CDC or who? Is it CNN or Fox News or, or, or politicians? I, I don't think so. I can't even trust myself, right? What I can do, though, is I can choose to trust the one who's all-powerful. See, we're in this global pandemic, but the reality is, is that we've been through this before. 
Let me run through a list of things that have happened in the, in the past 20 years. You remember 2000? You remember Y2K? Right? Where, where we thought like on January 1st, everything was going to shut down in the world. We, we survived that. 2001, it was anthrax. In 2002, the West Nile virus. 2003 was SARS. 2005 was the bird flu. 2006 was E. coli. 2008 was a bad economy. 2009, swine flu. 2010, the, the BP oil spill, right? And, and this environmental um, disaster. 2012 was the Mayan calendar. None of us were supposed to be here after the Mayan calendar. 2013, North Korea. 2014, the Ebola virus. 2015, ISIS. 2016, the Zika virus. Somewhere in all of that was, was global warming, right? That, that, that happened. Now, now, please don't send me emails with your conspiracy theories or, or trying to convince me that these things aren't as, as big as what we're dealing with right now. That's not the point. Here's my point. We lived through all of these things. And so I think we can choose to trust the God who got us through those things to get us through this as well. See, Nehemiah, he sought God first, and then he answered the king. What surrender does is it puts God in control and it, and it puts us simply along for the ride. See, this is really what salvation means. It's what salvation is all about. It's when we get to the place where we say, God, I'm going to give up control of my life and I'm going to let you take the lead in everything. Which leads to the fifth strategy or the fifth uh, stage, which is we set a strategy. See, surrendering to God is, is absolutely essential. But part of God's plan from the very beginning was that he would that he chose to use us. And so if you're sitting around in the, in the surrender mode, right, waiting for God to show up, waiting for God to fix all of your problems for you, you're probably going to be disappointed because God's waiting for you to do your part. Look at verse 6. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they may provide me safe con conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber for, to make beams for the gates and, and for the citadel by the, the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. And because of the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. See, Nehemiah didn't just sit around. During those four months, yeah, he, he mourned and he fasted and he prayed, but he also, he also put together a plan, right? He, he began to put together a strategy for how to fix things. He thought about the details. He thought about what he would need to accomplish it. He calculated the time, the resources, even the people that he would need to partner with. And look at this verse again. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. See, too often I think what we do is we reverse those last two stages. We try to do things our way, right? We plan, we go to work, we struggle, we try, and then we call out to God and say, God, would you show up? Would you bail me out of this situation? The order of these two absolutely matters. You have to surrender to God first, and then you go to work with your strategy. Because when we do it this way, what happens is that God reveals the next step to us, and God begins to work behind the scenes with us and for us. See, whatever your circumstance is, God will do his part. But we need to be ready to respond when God opens a door. We need to be ready to show up and do our part. Here's the last stage. It's that we surround yourself. 
You surround yourself. See, Nehemiah realized that the task of rebuilding was, it was too big for him to handle alone. See, you probably can't fix your marriage by yourself. You, you need a mentor couple or, or maybe a counselor. You can't fix your business alone. Maybe it's a, a new business partner. Maybe somebody to help you think a, a new strategy. Maybe someone to teach you a new technology. You can't solve your health struggles alone, right? You need, you need doctors and, and nurses. Our, our financial concerns, we need a financial advisor. For our spiritual growth, it's a small group. For our physical health, it's a personal trainer. Every single one of us needs good friends that will simply come alongside and, and encourage us and help us. See, we were created to need others. And Nehemiah, he recognized this. He decided to ask for help. Verse 11, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Verse 17, then I said to them, you see the troubles that we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. See, Nehemiah recognized he couldn't do it alone. There's a story of a guy named Gordon Bushnell, and, and uh, in the early 1900s, he wanted a, a highway in, in Minnesota. He thought the government should build it. Uh, they decided they didn't want to build it. He wanted a 200-mile highway from Minnesota to, to North Dakota, and so he began to do it himself with a small tractor and a, and a shovel. Well, sort of. He spent 25 years clearing the way for about nine miles, and, and then he died. Only nine miles in 25 years. And guess what? The, the, road, the road never got built. Why? Because he tried to do it on his own. Let me ask you this question. Who do you need to ask for help? See, Nehemiah, he walked through all of these stages. He experienced shock, right? The bad news that I didn't see that coming moment. He experienced the sorrow as he mourned, as he turned his attention back to God. He, he experienced the struggle for four months of not knowing exactly what to do next, of, of asking the why question. But then he chose to surrender, to trust God to do what only God could do, right? And God came through for him. He, he set out a strategy. He began to go to work, to get ready, to plan. And then he surrounded himself with friends to help him rebuild. I want you to just look at, at the last verse of chapter two, because in my opinion, this is the most important verse in the entire book. Nehemiah 2.20 says this, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. See, you need to, to read the rest on your own, right? And I would really encourage you to do it, but let me just give you the spoiler. They did it. It's not without obstacles. It was an incredibly difficult thing, but they were able to rebuild the walls and the gates because God helped them. See, I want you to be able to, to walk with that same kind of faith that, that Nehemiah had. And hear me, this is not a guarantee that your marriage is gonna get fixed. It's not a guarantee that your business is, is gonna turn a profit, that you're gonna get rich from it. It's not a guarantee that the diagnosis is going to be cured. But here's what the guarantee is, is that God loves you, that he cares about you, that he has promised to walk with you through whatever it is that you're going through and he will accomplish what is best for you every, every single time. So let's start rebuilding. I know I said there were only six stages. There actually is a seventh, and it's, 
It's actually really just the application that I want to give to you today, and it's this, is you start. Just start, right? If you're wherever you are to take that next step and and go to the next stage, if you're in the shock stage still, and this is where you are today because our nation's divided over solutions or politics or health concerns or financial concerns or relationship issues, whatever it is for you, understand that the shock is normal, but you need to take the step and move to the sorrow stage. This is where we grieve the bad news, the, the hurts, the loss. And you, and you may need to take as long as you need to as you walk through this. Walk through the steps that Nehemiah modeled of mourning, of fasting, of, of prayer. You can't rush this one in, in your life or in the lives of, of other people as well. But you can't stay here either. And so if you're in the sorrow stage, you need to move to the next one, which is struggle. And the struggle is real, but it's also not the end. And so you need to spend some time here, right? Because we need to recognize our limitations, our weaknesses, our needs in our lives. But we also need to recognize that this is an opportunity for us. Too many of us have been living here for far too long. And and yeah, it sucked. Whatever happened to you, right? It wasn't fair. And yes, it's going to be hard. But staying here isn't going to give you the life that that you want for yourself. Turn to God and move to the next stage, which is surrender. This is where we step in faith. We trust that God is in control and we just let go. And while you're waiting, you begin to work on on the what's next and wait for God to open that opportunity as you move into the next stage, which is strategy. This is where some of you are. What will it take to fix what's broken in your life? So you can change what you can change. You can change who you can change. That's you, right? And so use this time and set your plan and then surround yourself with others. People that are going to come alongside you, that are going to help you, that are going to encourage you as you navigate through this. See, we all face difficulties in our lives. We have a a rare opportunity right now where where so many of us are are facing it, not in the same ways, but we're all facing it at the same time. See, here's the bottom line. What if we could let our difficulties instead be opportunities to rebuild? Will you bow with me as we pray? God, I just want to thank you for the lessons that we've learned in this series. Father, we, we've talked about topics about where, where you are in the middle of, of chaos, that there is hope in, in those times in our lives where, where things seem out of control. God, we've talked about how to deal with conflict in our lives and how to deal with it in a healthy way. God, we've talked about how to let our faith grow in, in times when, when, when we feel paralyzed by our fears. We've talked about how to deal with the busyness and the stress and how we can actually find rest in you. And God, today we talked about how do we rebuild our lives when, when everything's broken, when everything seems like it's, it's fallen apart. God, these aren't just relevant during quarantine. These are principles from your word that, that, God, you can use in our lives to help us through any difficult time. So, God, we just want to say thank you for that. God, we pray for those of us that are currently in or, or are heading into, into tough times right now. God, would you just help us to recognize your grace. God, help us to recognize your love that's being shown through. God, we thank you for Jesus and recognize that that you're with us through these things. And that, God, you have provided everything that we need through your sacrifice, Jesus, to be in relationship with you, to be able to put our trust in you, to surrender our lives to you. God, we trust that you're in control. And so would you give us the courage to, to follow Nehemiah's example God, to to walk through these steps and to rebuild. We know our nation needs it. God, our communities need it. And we as individuals need it. 
So God, help us have the same faith that Nehemiah had, to believe that the God of heaven will give us success. So God, would you help us to, to have the courage to start rebuilding? Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, guys, we thank you so much for being a part of this series with us. If there's any ways that, that you need help, that we can help you with this, we would love for you just to email us at help at gethope.net, and we'd love to journey with you and help you any way that we can. Next week, we kick off a brand new series. We're very, very excited about it, and so we look forward to seeing you right back here at gethope.tv. We love you. Have a great rest of your week.